This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put it. Oh, he's the worst. What's he up the right sideline? He's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston. Wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello. Welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, the college editor here, Dave Campbell, Texas Football. Ishmael Johnson joined, as usual, by... Staff writer Carter Yates, what's up, buddy? This might be the most exciting week of college football it for might Texas. Be. It might be, man. I am uh, actually very, very excited for Saturday. Like, like legitimately multiple games, multiple narratives, all that stuff. We'll get into it. Uh, the reason why you can hear us very clearly and very well is our favorite Mal pal, Mallory Hartley. Hi, Mallory. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. It's, it's a good going week. pretty good. No, it is. It's a very good week. Uh, you know, as you guys know, for the Wednesday preview episodes, we go through our three games of the week, which, I mean, if not, we, we kind of range this week from national significance to regional significance to partially you know, just personal significance. I don't know. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested. Games that I'm interested in. But uh, before we get into that, and by the way, we will call uh, our, col- our senior college writer, Mike Craven. He will be on the scene at in College Station for Alabama at a and uh, Before we do, we, of course, want to run through the power poll, but some headlines really quick. Um, I want to give some shout-out to Nicole Auerbach, who's all over a lot of the NCAA rulings that are literally coming out, like, as we're speaking. Um, and so the big one, first of all, that I do want to hint on is that the NCAA has voted to eliminate the annual limit on initial counters in the FBS. So what does that mean? That means that you can replace as many scholarships. This is from Nicole Auerbach's Twitter explanation. Um, you can replace as many scholarships as you can, uh, as you lose up to 85, right? So in the previous years, I believe it was 25 to 30, I think was the was the initial number. You can only replace up to 25. and So you could lose 50 guys to the portal. not saying it happens, but you could lose potentially 50 guys up to the portal, can only replace 25 to 30. The NCAA has now reversed that ruling, saying there is no limit, right? So if you lose 50, you can replace 50. So The Deion Sanders rule. The Deion Sanders yeah. rule, right. So, I mean, well, that opens an interesting can of worms because it's like, okay, a player, a coach, a Deion Sanders, could come in and say, cool, 50 guys off my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Oh, I lost 50 guys. Oh, I lost 50. Got to replace 50. I told so, 50 guys to get lost. <laughs> right, right. And so, sure, yes, in some situations, a lot of – a lot of coaches walk into a situation and guys just leave. Uh-huh. But as we saw this past year, some coaches incentivize players to Force leave. <laughs> You're not going to play here, so leave. Um, but regardless, this I felt like this was coming in the transfer portal era, right? It's kind of hard to just like limit yourself when players can just, especially now with the Mallory, you remember the you just uh, reminded me of the ruling. If a coach leaves midseason, mm-hmm. right, the portal opens for that team. Technically, that player can leave and just up and leave. You know, with that kind of ruling, it kind of felt just like a, you know, it made sense to like, okay, yeah, teams probably shouldn't have a limit on how many players they can bring in. Right, right. So, um, one of the rulings that we kind of joked about uh, that got eliminated, or the, the, one of the rulings that, that eliminated something, uh, they NCAA is voting, voted to get rid of photo, official photo shoots 
I can't for believe this. recruits on official visits. <laughs> this so, is the most devastating one. <laughs> this is this is very disappointing because so for those of you that don't know, of course, every time a player takes an official visit, let's say to Texas, they of course have a bunch of photos that they post. That's from the creative staff with the football staff, right? They put him in the uniform. They put him in the with the backdrop in DKR, and it's really cool. They give him a bunch of really cool stuff. A lot of teams. We when we were at the TCU photo shoot, we actually saw the tunnel where they do that. Right, it was mm-hmm. kind of like the purple yeah. lighting. They had the they had like a guitar. Like they just give you props and mm-hmm. all that, and they give you full uh, reign of their media crew, and they get to shoot all that stuff. And what the NCAA is saying is, you can still do that without the media crew <laughs> you, mom has to take the cell phone photo basically is what they're saying right if you have a personal photographer you can have him do that but like a ut photographer cannot do that anymore. and the experience of my mom trying to take photos on her <laughs> iphone i know this is not going to turn out well. i was about to say yeah mom's gonna have to sit it's gonna be in portrait mode it's not gonna be landscape where you can get the whole feel of it and it's yeah okay. this is one of those rules that the ncaa likes to throw in on the fine print and hope no yes. one reads yes we need to stand up for this <laughs> because what we're losing now is Brian Kelly on his step stool with a 6'5 defensive end as yes. the camera pans around them. And he's awkwardly dancing. Doing what we're dance. losing also is the Florida Gators photo shoot where the dad was in full uniform with his son. <laughs> yes. Like, think of all this content that we don't have anymore on the off months of college football. Okay, question though. Why okay. why get rid of that? I think so. That makes zero n- sense. So I think Nicole Auerbach, uh, for – Credit to uh, uh, let me. See, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I hate to give credit to the NCAA, I'm a, but I'm a knock on wood, I'm, and I don't, I don't usually do this that often. Credit to the NCAA. I think they're taking a bullet for the coaching staffs because okay. from what she, from what Nicole Auerbach mentioned, uh, let me see. She has a tweet. In all seriousness, a lot of administrators and coaches have com- have complained about photo shoots and the effort they require from their staff. Plus. Uh, should really should that really be an important part of the recruiting process? Yes, so, what, absolutely. The latter part, I would argue. Yeah, <laughs> sure, it would be cool. But also, I think some coaches were like, "All right, we got to actually arrange yeah. kind of a media day," and like right. the SID probably has to arrange. You know, it probably does take a lot of resources from like other things to like coordinate. Essentially, like I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out how many official visit dates they have a year, but like essentially multiple media days a year. So I think I will give credit to the NCAA for taking the bullet because this it's just going to look like the NCAA, you know, poo pooing on fun. <laughs> but in reality, I think some coaches were like, "Hey, I would like our director of football ops not have to <laughs> not to have to well, coordinate twelve photo shoots." Here's on the a week. thing, too. I mean, it's probably not a big deal for the Alabamas and the Georgias. Sure, people, right, but right, when right. You start moving down in the ranks right. I was about to say I Alabama mean, definitely the, has like 20 people that you've they got can a just whole like, hey worry about over there, there. figure yeah. that out right but when you get to the group of five level it's like you know North Texas is like yeah I kind of would like somebody our director to go. of ops is also yeah. this and it's like, he has pl- different roles yes, please and- worry about you know is it, does all of our players parents have tickets to the game this weekend as opposed right. to does this three star have a photo shoot again I it like that the playing field a little I bit. like that yeah. stuff right uh, rec- our recruiting uh, coordinator Greg Powers he uses a lot of that content as well it's cool content in general mm-hmm. um but i do think that that is, especially like you mentioned when you get to the lower levels i think that is something that like a lot more uh, uh staffs have less resources to throw at that right? this is the rule for like matt campbell at iowa state right. who's just all about the game right, right. and has to compete <laughs> Go year watch in, has to compete <laughs> yeah. year in and year out with texas who has like four lamborghinis right in like <laughs> yes. in the walkway for recruits yeah. yes and he's like look i, I, I don't have that he like, shouldn't have that the I mean. best i can do is a jeep cherokee yeah <laughs> 
my Jeep, my, my personal Jeep Cherokee. I need to park this. Uh, but I did like Carter. I did like your tweet where it's like, oh, we're gonna get robbed of this, and it's the photo, of course, of the dad it's posing such with a his legendary son photo. in the Florida uniform. The most absurd photo of all time. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but yeah, like it is one of those things where it's like they drop like a legitimately needed rule about the transporter. Then by the way, no more photo shoots. It's, like, yeah. it's just like buried in there. So uh, you know. Keep track of uh, Nicole Auerbach. She does a great, great work tracking the NCAA. This is the oversight committee. So she's just kind of going through and, and tweeting out a bunch of stuff about that. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, transfer window, 30-day transfer rule beginning Monday. Uh, athletes on teams that compete in the college football playoff, there'll be an additional five-day transfer window in January. And then a 15-day transfer window in April for everyone. So uh, just a couple of clarifications and window adjustments for the transfer portal as well. All right. Let's get into Mallory. Do you have a power poll? We sure do. All right. Let's get into this before we get into our college picks and previews for the week. All right. So, um, poor UTEP and Sam Houston. I mean, what? Look, it's rough out there. <laughs> it's right, should, we, should we run down the list? Let's run down the list a little bit. Um, let's just go. Te- uh, starting from the top, Texas A&M, Texas State, Woo. TCU, Never SMU. in my life I did I that. think <laughs> that Texas State would be ranked third Number in our three. power poll. Yeah. Uh, five SMUs. We'll get to that. Six, Rice. Seven, Texas Tech. Eight, Baylor. Nine, Houston. Ten, UTSA. Eleven, UNT. Twelve, Sam Houston. And thirteen, UTEP. Um yeah, no, I never thought Texas State would be <laughs> third in this poll. Because um, didn't we talk about last week, you know, what, what's mm-hmm. the ceiling for Texas State in this power poll, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. we, we we all kind of agreed, like, you know, five, six. And then Craven goes, nah, we're putting him at three. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Which it helps very that, well deserved. Very no, sure, well sure, deserved. I get that. But, but it also, like, you know, TCU lost. Right. Um, and then, like, it makes I sense. think SMU, I think we have rightful concerns about SMU. Yes. And I think mm-hmm. that I while I do think that there are maybe some concerns about strength of schedule so far for Texas State they've done everything they needed to do right except for you know the UTSA game but that's kind of like that's the only blemish on their yeah. mark and UTSA has lost more games since then so like you know that's obviously been a hamper on them and Texas State's just been fun that's that's the, the other fighting smells have been, have been fun <laughs> <laughs> they've just been entertaining and like I, I it's been a long time <laughs> since before not even like a top offense I'm not even talking about numbers wise been an entertaining offense yeah mm-hmm. i've tracked this team since i've honestly golly since i enrolled there and they went from francione who was very read option but also like kind of three yards in a cloud of dust-esque mm-hmm. um to ever withers who could not put together an offense there and then jake spavadol who like was very stop starty very very screen on third and eight kind of offense didn't have the personnel to really run it that well to now this and it's like overnight I've, I've it's been a decade of like watching this offense really struggle so yeah Dumb question when did texas state join the Sun Belt? uh 2013 okay believe. so they about, joined fbs in 2012 and then okay. yeah two years and then there was the Sun Belt. so still like they have it hasn't been a ask any texas state fan the offense hasn't been fun to watch since they joined fbs mm-hmm. it's been effective at times but it just hasn't been entertaining and i think that's where i think that's the biggest reason why this is you know the biggest reason why a lot of people are gravitating towards it mm-hmm. is because they're putting up points. They're doing it in different ways, right? Uh, the score, like Ishmati, I think, leads the nation in like all-purpose yards right now because he had the kickoff return for a touchdown, and he's a receiving threat. And so, like, there's multiple. D- it's not just like they're four and one. It's the fact that they're entertaining four and one. And 
what's what's I do think what's ironic is UNT is at eleven, but I do think if they started the year with Chandler Rogers, they'd be in a I don't want to say up there, but they'd be in a similar conversation of they're fun to watch because mm-hmm. like they're going to put up similar numbers, and I think Texas State has not as bad of issues on defense, but similar issues on defense to where yeah, both these teams are going to have to probably put up upper 30s to be able to probably get the records they want to get and I think what's so fun too about Texas State is they're like the side of the transfer portal where it's guys who kind of fell under the radar yes. went FCS mm-hmm. and now they're up to you know Sunbelt Conference play like Ishmahadi who yeah. was at Houston Christian and I think Joey Hobart yep. uh, U- Utah Valley was Utah Valley so or Utah Tech sorry yeah a lot of their biggest playmakers on offense that are so fun to watch were guys who maybe back in the day wouldn't have been able to transfer as easily yeah. to Texas State. No, I think so. And I think there's something to maybe be said about, you know, maybe this is a hint towards a, a story or something, but like somebody like Anish Mahdi, I think he might have fell victim to recruiting during the pandemic, right? Exactly. Because he was a class 2021 kid who, you know, ask any guy who covers recruiting or any staffer in recruiting that fall 2020 is like, you can only do so much, right? If you didn't really know about a kid, it's hard. It was hard to go out there. A lot of teams, like I know, I know for a certain Texas State wasn't sending recruiters on the road right during that fall season. They had to keep them in house because they're just safety protocols and all that stuff. They couldn't devote resources. So a lot of players just fell under the radar. And he went to Plano East. He didn't go to a, a, well, a rural school. That's right? what I wanted to say too, because yeah. I was listening to GJ Kinney's press conference yesterday, I believe, mm-hmm. and. He's talking about Coach Bryant, their tight ends coach, mm-hmm. was at Allen High School when they played Ish at Plano East. Interesting. And that's kind of how he figured out about Ish Mahadi at first. So it wasn't even the recruiters. It was in the high school ranks they figured right. it out. That's wow. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it is – like, obviously, T.J. Finley, and I have a I have a piece coming out on T.J. Finley soon. Uh, he's obviously one of the big headlines. But, like you mentioned, Ish Mahadi, Joey Hobart, guys like that, uh, guys that brought over from UIW that kind of fell to the FCS ranks that maybe you're – good enough to play i mean as we're seeing good enough to play group of five maybe even power five in some situations uh football so i'm wondering how many more of these i think the next year or two is when we'll really start to see them right because i think this next transfer portal cycle we'll see maybe more of those guys from the fcs maybe get the transfer portal promotions that they want uh also d2 going fcs juco going fcs or Mm -hmm. fbs right guys that fell through the cracks we're starting to see them kind of bubble back to the surface saying, oh, we didn't hear about this guy originally, and he had to go Juco because nobody offered him right out the gate. So, um, uh, yeah. Shout out to Between Two Bears. They're currently watching along with us on YouTube. They said, <laughs> Texas State, Sunbelt Champs. You heard it here first. <sighs> I don't need that pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was Matt or Evan or, or Deontay, but I don't, I don't, I don't need it. that, I don't need that pressure. This is, new, <laughs> this is new territory dealing with the pressure and the expectations now. <sighs> Dude, uh, yes. I, I don't <sighs> – and the problem is they played Louisiana this weekend, who we'll talk about this game, but they've always had issues with Louisiana. Uh-huh. They're 0-9 historically yes. versus Louisiana. <laughs> Listen, I'm not even talking football. I'm talking whatever sport. Athletic program-wide. program-wide. <laughs> These they dudes own had, Texas they State. They issues with Louisiana. So this is why this hurts right now to hear about, oh, well, this is, a, you know, you're probably the favorite in the West, which they are, yeah. and I hate it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, well, well oh, God. <laughs> We'll get into the games. Um, uh, yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll go ahead and skip ahead. Let's go to, uh, as Mallory gets Mike Craven on the call, I'll tell you a little bit. If you're watching, you should see. Let me see. Where I'm, there we go. Uh, there we go. We got a little promo code there now uh, hovering right there. 
It's always been there, according to Mallory. No, I'm joking. Uh, I told her to put it there like just before the show. So uh, if you are looking at that, you see Homefield, promo code DCTF, 15% off your first-time purchase. Uh, I actually, last week, Rice unveiled their Love Ya Owls uh, gear. And so Homefield had a drop for that, and I made sure to buy that because um, it looked like, I mean, again, it was just a one-off collaboration deal i think it's i think it was really sick so again if you listen to any of our shows in the rof uh network they have their own promo codes but of course if you are watching right here please go ahead and use that promo code dctf for 15 percent off your first time purchase from homefield apparel all right let's get into these games mallory you want to kick us off yeah first up on our list Texas A&M versus number 11 Alabama this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch it on CBS Alabama coming in as two-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under set at 46-and-a-half. And Mike Craven is on the phone to join us. He's going to be at this game, actually, down there in College Station. Cra Craven, I'm very jealous. This is going to be a really fun game to be at. It's going to be packed. 2.30 uh, kickoff there in College Station. The weather should be great. So uh, excited for week six. Yeah, so I'm – I don't know if you saw on Twitter, so of course we know Parker, Stats of War on Twitter, uh, does these great uh, college football graphs, uh, uh, infographs for advanced stats. He, he mentions the first time ever Alabama's been an outright underdog. He has an A&M 53% win probability. Um, I'm wondering, because Vegas still, you know, Vegas is different, but it doesn't I think he's the only one to really have A&M as an outright favorite in this one. And I'm curious where I see it, right? But I'm, cur I'm curious in your mind where you see that coming from, Craven. Yeah, on the Aggie War Pod this week, uh, available for download on the Republic of Football Network. Uh, I, I told Jay Arnold that I thought A&M should be a three-point favorite in this game. Um, what Alabama does well so far has been what A&M stops. Mm -hmm. uh, a you know, Alabama's not a deep downfield, throw the ball 40 times, pick on a secondary team. They're going to try to do what K.J. Jefferson tried to do. They're going to try to do what Auburn tried to do against A&M. And the, the last two weeks, uh, A&M has 14 sacks and 30 tackles for loss in, in two SEC games. They're, they are starting to figure out that they are better than everybody along the defensive line, and they need to just let those go, guys go be aggressive. And if you give up a play or two in the secondary – you're going to give up a play or two in the secondary regardless uh, from what we saw in that Miami game. So Durkin's kind of let the dogs go, uh, and that's really helped that defense. Offensively, uh, A&M doesn't need to score 40 points here. You know, last year they lost 24-20. to 20. Uh, If the defense can do the same thing, you know, if they can hold Alabama to 24, I feel like with this offense and with Petrino calling plays and them scoring, I think they're 20th in the nation in scoring offense right now. Uh, they should be able to get to 27 points to, to 30 points, and I think that's enough to beat this version of Alabama in Kyle Field. So, Craven, we got to have the DJ Durkin conversation because you wrote your column about the DJ Durkin problem the Aggies had after week two, and I totally agreed with it, you know, but after these first two SEC games, you mentioned the stats there, like 14 sacks and 30 tackles for loss, which that sounds like video game numbers. Do you think that's more – okay, Auburn and Arkansas have an issue, or is that A&M is actually figuring this out? Oh, I don't think it has to be either or. I think it can be both. You know, Auburn isn't a, a great offensive team, but they pushed Georgia pretty well last week. Arkansas isn't a tremendous offensive team, but they scored over 30 on LSU, which, you know, doesn't look like a great defense, but still, you know, that's scoring 30 points on, on LSU. So, you know, I think what Durkin decided, well, I think early on in his tenure, even last year, is he was trying to help 
the secondary a little bit. He was being a little bit too conservative up front. It didn't look like people were in the right gaps last year. Jay Arnold's talked about that a lot uh, in our podcast, that it wasn't a, it wasn't talent. It wasn't the defensive line getting pushed off the ball. It was the linebackers and defensive line not being in the right spots. Mm-hmm. It feels like the more and more they play with each other and the more and the more they allow that talent advantage to go work for them, um, they've been better and better defensively. I mean, we, we may look back seven weeks from now and think that was more Arkansas than Auburn. Uh, but when you recruit as well as they do, especially in the front seven, um, this is what it should look like. And they've had, you know, Edger and Cooper play really, really well at linebacker. Tori and York emerge at linebacker. And so that second level has been figured out. And it seems to all be coming together. My worry for A&M is their secondary. Mm. The good news for A&M is there's not many great quarterbacks in the SEC. So they're not going to see a ton uh, of offensive explosions like that. If they were in the Pac-12, I'd worry about A&M's defense a lot more. I think they're built to stop what the SEC does this year uh, better than most. Sure. I think – what I'm curious about this one is, I mean, we can talk about the quarterback position now with Max Johnson. Um, you know, I think he's shown enough definitely to where you don't feel like AM's trajectory is that shaken, especially with how the West looks now. Um, I am curious about what you and Jay or th- your thoughts are just facing this defense entirely, right? Um, this is going to be by far his biggest test of, the, of probably the year. Um, and, AM, what I what I didn't really realize until I looked at some of the numbers, they're sixth right now in echo rate, which for those of you that don't know, it's how many it echo rate is essentially how often you create a quality possession, which is get into opposing territory, put yourself in scoring position, right? For kind of putting in layman's terms. They're able to, again, the part of that's Connor Wigman, but the fact that they haven't fallen off that much with Max Johnson, I think, is a testament to what he's been able to do. So, you know, what do you think is the key for him going into this game against, like I said, arguably the best defense he's going to face all year? Craven's all over these advanced stats, too. Oh, no, I yeah. Know no, he no, is. A big advanced yeah. stat guy, Mike Craven. <laughs> yeah, when you, when you need that much of a definition. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, if we just look at that Auburn game, you know, Connor Wigman had, had struggled in the first half. Max Johnson comes in there and throws two touchdown passes. He throws two touchdown passes last week. When you have an Evan, Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith, uh, a pretty decent stable of running backs, including Ruben Owens catching the ball out, out of the backfield, you know, Jake Johnson's still there at tight end. He just has to be a game manager. I know we look at that term as, as a pejorative, but it doesn't have to be, right? Like, you know, I think Quinn Ewers is, is that at Texas in a lot of, a lot of ways. Is when you recruit this well, uh, your job as a quarterback is not to be the superstar. It's to get it into the superstar's hands. And, and Bobby Petrino and his one availability at A&M talked about his philosophy of FTS, feed the studs. And, and I think Max Johnson can do that as well as Connor Wigman. I don't think the offensive upside is the same with Max Johnson as it is with Connor Wigman. I think there's some things that Connor Wigman can do that Max Johnson can. I'm just not sure AM needs those plays to be successful in this SEC. They're not, they're not playing against teams that are going to score 50 points a game. What he has to avoid is the interception return for a touchdown he threw against Arkansas. What A&M needs to avoid is is putting the ball on the ground three times and losing two fumbles. You can't turn the ball over three times against Alabama and win. And so, for me, you tell me A&M doesn't turn the ball over, I think A&M wins this football game. If you say A&M turns the ball over three times, no matter how good I think that defense is, I think Alabama figures out a way to win that one. And, Craven, does it feel like whoever wins this game pretty much takes control of the SEC West? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, LSU still has something to say about this because they get to play Alabama, they get to play A&M, you know, Ole Miss kind of the same way. I, I don't think there's a great team 
on the west side of the bracket here. I'm not mm-hmm. convinced there's a great team on the east side, but we're not going to know anything about Georgia until December. Right. Uh, and so, you know, if A&M can, can win this football game, you know, they are absolutely in the driver's seat. They're alone at, at the top of the SEC West with the tiebreaker over Alabama. And so uh, at, at that point, you lose, you win all your games, you know, maybe just lose one and you're in the SEC championship game. And so this one feels like a game that can really flip the narrative. I'm writing a column about it for tomorrow where mm-hmm. – you know, if A&M can win this football game and be first in the West, you know, all of a sudden we're not talking about the buyout as much. We're talking about A&M uh, starting to really live up to the, to their potential and starting to grow up off the field and be a more mature football team. So, you know, this can quiet a lot of haters. Uh, and if they lose this game, you know, I, I think it, you know, obviously opens that conversation back up. Yep. No, I think uh, that's a good – I love that you mentioned the, the feed the studs because this week I – Admittedly, I just found out that Max Johnson was the son of that Brad Johnson. <laughs> uh, who, who was jacked, a, by the way. Yeah. Did you see him in the stands? I actually have not seen him recently. I oh my, him he's stands. standing next to Jason Witt makes him look like a barista. <laughs> like, it was insane. So, I, I of course, uh, listening, yes, that Super Bowl winning quarterback, Brad Johnson, who was notorious for similar being on a stacked Buccaneers team and all he had to do was kind of just not mess things up. And sure enough, they were, and that defense was able to control. So I do think it's fitting that now Max Johnson takes over for a defense that's really flying all over the place. And like you mentioned with the, uh, the, the, the offensive side of the ball with guys like Evan Stewart and guys like Le'Veon Moss coming into their own, he just kind of has to be able to manage the game is like you mentioned, is not a pejorative Stetson Bennett, managed Georgia to two national titles, right? Like mm-hmm. he was the best driver for that offense. And look, it worked. So um, I think that's a great way to put it. And I think that you mentioned with Bobby Petrino, that hire is kind of starting to pay off. So um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this game. Uh, Craven, you got a, you got a pick? Yeah, I'm, th- I'm taking Alabama or Texas A&M uh, 28-24. Okay. All, All right. right. I was like also going to take A&M as well. So I'm on the fence. I just don't know if I see Alabama having two losses, but uh, I'll ride. I'll ride with it. I'll go A&M too. Uh-oh. Are we going, are we going maroon across the board here? Uh-oh. Mallory. Should I, I'm, should I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot now. I'm going to put you on the spot now. I'll take Alabama. <laughs> good, good. We could I not have wanna, gone. I just, we, we can't, can't go all maroon. We can't get photoshopped. We can't get photoshopped. No, we can't get photoshopped. <laughs> yeah. Game day photoshopped. We can't. We can't. Uh, we can't inflate the Aggie the Aggie head any more than it already is. So <laughs> I'm picking Alabama. There you go. Humble them a little bit, Mallory. <laughs> all right, Mike. Uh, we'll uh, be, be sure to check out Craven's column. It will come out tomorrow over this, and of course, TexasFootball.com for Craven's thoughts after the game. He will be on the scene there uh, in College Station, which should be an insane atmosphere. So take care, Craven. Hey guys. All righty, Mallory. Let's get into the rest of our games. Let's get into the other, other. I mean, there's three, so I'm, I'm just gonna say one of the other big games this weekend. The one that Carter will be at. Let's go. Woo! Red River Rivalry. Red River Rivalry Week. I've always. Yeah, I was I had about to, to say you had to down slow down because, because if I say too much, it's bad, easier if you. If you I make get all, all like tongue tied. Yeah. It's easier if you just make them all W's. Red River Rivalry <laughs> Week. <laughs> That's better that way. <laughs> All right. Number three. Oops. Excuse me. Let me change that. Number three, Texas taking on number 12, Oklahoma in Dallas <sighs> this Saturday, October 7th mm-hmm. at 11 a.m. You can watch it on ABC. Texas coming in as six and a half point favorites. The over under set at 60 and a half. All right. And Carter, I'm, you're going to be at this game. Yes. I will be at this game. Um, I'm very excited for it. I'm going to say it. I, I don't know anything about Oklahoma. Like, I, I, I've seen them. Their we're schedule talk- is soft. We were talking to Greg Powers, whose son goes to a- uh, Oklahoma, and so he's, he was at the Oklahoma game last week. He's followed Oklahoma. Soft. 
I don't know what this like. I'm I've been beating the Dylan Gabriel's not the guy drum like all season because not even just that I like Jackson Arnold, but like I just watch this offense and I'm like I feel like they're in second gear, mm-hmm. and if you're in second gear against this Texas defense. A defense that we've talked about, we can go into this a little bit, I think can be getting, can be got on the back end. I don't think Dylan Gabriel's the guy to get them. Yeah. So I, everything I everything good in this game, I think, is Texas-based. Right. Everything I think about, like in terms of like every matchup, I should say, is Texas pro, pro Texas. I do think Oklahoma's front four is really good, but I think Texas' offensive line's better. So, so that's I, the issue yeah. what you say right there is like everything leans Texas way. So I was talking to my girlfriend who is an OU alum. So yes. this is a big week for me yes. and for her. <laughs> and I had to admit on Saturday, we were driving to college station. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of getting a little cocky. Like I'm getting dangerously cocky. Sure. And this is, I mean, based off last year, yo, this feels like come a on sneaky now. Oklahoma win. Because, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because, because one last year with the 49 to nothing, but then also two this year, it's like this Texas team has gotten so much better. The, the, you know, defensive trenches are stacked. Sure. I watch Oklahoma versus Iowa state and the running back. I mean, the linebackers and safeties are like kind of running into each other and Iowa state's kind of torching them in the first half. And I just picture JT Sanders on a linebacker matchup right against Oklahoma. And I don't know how that goes, Mm -hmm. but this is exactly what Texas can't have is this cocky attitude that I'm trying to drill out of my school (laughs) because last year was an aberration. The 49, nothing is not going to happen again. Yeah. You know, bread vegetables, like totally (laughs) outsmarted himself last year, trying to run the, trying to run the wildcat with a backup quarterback. This game is always crazy, and this game is always wild. So it's going to be a close game. Yeah. And if you said if it's a close game. I, so, yes, I did. I've mentioned this. I see this going one of two ways. If this is a close game, I think Oklahoma wins. If this is a blowout, not last year type of blowout, but 14-plus, which is a blowout in, the, in this rivalry, I think it's Texas. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I genuinely don't think Texas wins a close game because I don't think that leans itself to how Texas – how much better Texas is on paper than Oklahoma, in my opinion. I don't think lends itself well. I again, that's speculation on my part because I feel like in order for this to be a close game, I, I just don't think Dylan Gabriel can play the full game. Yeah. Because again, I was I really I was really curious about what Greg Powers thought in our office, and I was like, "What do you think about his arm? What do you think about X, Y, and Z?" And he's like, "He's kind of mid." And it's like his he has arm talent, but his arm accuracy is not very good, and it's not to where. Quinn Ewers has similar issues, but like you can, I've seen him, and this year we've seen him hone in on that arm talent and like be able to hit the deep ball every once in a while now. And unlike last year, where he kind of took a step back from when the last time we saw him, I like I mentioned, I watched this offense, and there are some things that you can see that Jeff Levy does, which there were some questions about last year that I wondered about him as a play caller. But I've seen them recently say, okay, there's some interesting ways to get guys open, but I also wonder if it's like, does he need to get them open because? Gabriel can't throw them open necessarily, well, and so I don't know. It's 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 very confusing. For what me. scares me to death about this game is yeah. like it transports me back to two years ago when 
the Texas student section is chanting, we want Caleb, yes. we want no, Caleb. I, yes, I And then Caleb that. Williams comes out and actually suns Texas, yes. and he jogs on the field. It's like, this guy is terrifying. I do, <laughs> and I really yeah. fear that Dylan Gabriel struggles in this game, and in comes Jackson Arnold. I was going to say. The, the five-star Gary National Player of the Year. <laughs> no, this has Rattler and Williams written all over it. Now, again, to me, this isn't – Rattler was like a is like a a, a a bottle rocket of a player, mm-hmm. right? He can give you five touchdowns and also five interceptions. Yeah. Um, my issue with Gabriel is more of just like his floor. I think is safe, and then his ceiling is just kind of like five feet above that. No, he's not. He's definitely not a bad quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. Yeah. But you need a great quarterback to win this game. Right. Right. Especially if Quinn Ewers continues to take the steps forward, and then. Even if they don't even need Quinn Ewers to be great, they, we see what Jonathan Brooks does, right? So, like, we know this offense can be explosive, and we know this defense is very fast for Texas. So, there's there needs to be like an extra gear to like get over that hump. So, yeah, because that's the problem. This is the area of this Texas defense that Oklahoma can exploit is the secondary and yeah. the safety spot in right. downfield passing game. But like, does Gabriel have the arm to really do that? And also, the only reason I think we're all saying that they can get beat is because they haven't been, they haven't faced a quarterback that could test him. Right. Like Jalen no. Milrow has an arm, but not necessarily in the way that a con- he has arm talent, but it's not necessarily like he's going to throw it 50 times. A it's game been, and throw, you know, it's been like one shots every once in a while. It's been Wyoming backup quarterback, Baylor backup quarterback, Kansas backup quarterback. Right. Like Dylan Gabriel by far is going to be the best quarterback they've seen so far. Oh right? yeah. Like don't misconstrue this. Right, as Dylan right, right. Gabriel's bad, but, but it's he's also very like, good, but it's also like, I don't know. Like that, what's that say about what they've faced so far? So again, I'm still taking Texas. I think they, I think they do win comfortably for this rivalry, which is like 10, 13, 14 points. Um, but I'm just wondering if we do see a Rattler Williams situation. Yeah, I, I think Texas wins too, but I think it's going to be close and pretty crazy. Like yeah. I almost have Texas in a close one. Okay. I okay. think I think I almost have Texas in a close one and that almost makes you feel so much better going into the rest of the year like they pulled that out. Sure, sure, Oklahoma. sure. No, I get I get that. And I mean, to be fair, like heading into the year, I didn't know what Oklahoma was either cuz like everybody just penciled them in as one of the favorites because the their schedule was so weak. Mm-hmm. And this is I mean, and to be fair, that's to all of us, we still have those questions because their schedule's been so weak. Uh, we knew, I think, who do they avoid? They avoid Kansas State this year, I think. And Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma, I, I haven't looked at their schedule in a they while. Avoid, they avoid Kansas State and they avoid. I mean, they've done the thing. They're scoring like 50 points a game, but they right. played like Tulsa. They played right. Iowa State. You yeah. know, like I mean, I obviously, Tech and Baylor aren't much this year, but they avoid both those schools too. Yeah. So it's like, again, we don't, I have no clue, but I'm going to go Texas. I have seen more from this staff and this team this year than I think I have from Oklahoma, even going back to last year under Venables. So I'm going to go Texas as well. Um, I'm going to be glued to this one. It's going to be 11. Of course, they got the unique 11 a.m. kick, so we'll see. What do we get? Mallory? Are you nervous? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, no. You look very stressed out. That's why I asked. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's like, also, I, I will say, this is also Carter's first time covering this game. He's been. Yeah. But this is the first time covered, so I'm curious about your demeanor. I need, oh, I need to well, wear a heart rate monitor. Which I'm, <laughs> yeah. which I am so happy the game's at 11 a.m. because if they had moved that to 2:30, the hardest wake up call in all of college football is the Friday night bar scene into Saturday <laughs> morning for Oklahoma. Yeah, 
like that point. is where the real fans are made and i was like if they're gonna in the year after i leave push that to 230 and get all soft on me like that is insane <laughs> it's like absolutely not toughen up i'm gonna it's gonna be really fun to sit there like two hours in the press box and just watch like the students like like stumble in and like fill up and, and then after the game just stumble into the state fair so yeah just literally like, just keep going it's like a zombie apocalypse yeah. no i'm not i'm not overlooking oklahoma when i said earlier i'm getting dangerously cocky it's because i know it's dangerous and i know you can't overlook oklahoma there yeah. you go yeah i want that on record no one clip that no one clip that for after this game that, oh, he's getting all cocky. Carter was cocky Carter about Oklahoma. Was cocky. I was vulnerable, and I told you what was going on in my mind and how I tried to fight that. Uh, oh, I can respect that. All right, let's move on to our last game of the week. Texas Tech um, playing at Baylor this Saturday at yep. 7 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN2. Texas Tech coming in as one-point favorites. The over-under set at 59. All right, so um, butt bowl. Uh <laughs> For all different, for all, all for the, all those who celebrate, all those who celebrate, <laughs> acknowledge the bubble <laughs> holiday coming up this weekend. Um, listen, it w- first half or second half Baylor? What 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 are we getting? I think we get more of second half Baylor. You think so? On this one, you think yeah. that's the one that you I think? truly think that second half performance actually saved their season. Oh, it might be definitely. And I don't think I'm being shout hyperbolic. Out, shout out to our between two bears guys. Do we get spanking Dave? Did you, did you hear that episode? <laughs> no, I haven't it's, heard that episode. It's, it's the only time Dave Aranda – I forgot – so it's Dave Aranda, but it's the only time he ever, like, emoted was when he, like, slapped one of his assistants on the butt. And yeah. it was like – so they, they so they earlier in the year, they, they were saying, we need spanking Dave back. Which <laughs> – the funniest so. thing I noticed was in that UCF game when Baylor got a penalty for a coach bumping the ref, and it was, like, 15 <laughs> yards, and then they panned to the sideline, and I'm like – Baylor doesn't have a get-back coach. Yeah, because Aranda doesn't. Because Aranda, Aranda like just stands there. He doesn't need a get-back coach. He, he apologized. <laughs> I was going to say, Aranda apologized. He apologizes to the ref. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. Well, they panned over to Aranda, and he's just sitting there so calm. He's like, dude, how could you flag this guy? Yeah. <laughs> he's so nice. <laughs> he said, dang it, a little too loud. Yeah, I was about to say that. That's Aranda. So, but to the, to, to the Between Two Bears guys' credit, Spank and Dave probably came out in the second half. And oh, yeah, and they they kind of need a little bit of that because yeah. Carter has a piece out uh, on TexasHub.com where it is like again both teams aren't necessarily at their apex right now so it's not exactly one to one but you have the guy who you didn't hire mm-hmm. coming in with his new crew who he hired away from you and bringing in you know they have a lot of off season off field hype what happens you know what 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 happens if Joey Maguire goes into, into Waco and wins by 14, right? All of a sudden, is Waco looking at it? It's like, dang, we should have. Obviously, they have a big 12 title. Well, They're not going to throw that away. But, like, if they look at that and say, like, oh, do, do, we, do we miss that? I think the screen sh- – the, when I shared it on Twitter, I think yeah. some people, like, looked at it and were like, why are we crowning Texas Tech and, like, Joey Maguire's the clear-cut better choice? They're two and three just like Baylor is. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's exactly kind of my point. Like, right. in the article, I basically say, like – Look, Baylor can win this game, and Dave Aranda's 2-0 on Joey McGuire. Joey McGuire falls to 1-7 on the road. And they have the Big 12 title in their pocket. And, and Baylor's like, got cool, the Big 12 title in the target. And, and, yeah, and it's like, oh, Baylor won that, won that alternative, won that coaching decision. Yep. 
But when you take a look at like all the off-field stuff that's going on with Texas Tech and like all this sauce that's around Texas Tech and the $230 million for the South End Zone, the new football performance facility. The Matador Club. The Matador Club with the NIL. Everyone's getting $25,000 even if you're a walk-on. That's not even including what you can get on top of that. Mm-hmm. You know, Micah Hudson, five-star wide receiver committing, who actually – Forged that relationship in Baylor yeah. when a ran, when when Joey McGuire was at Waco, mm-hmm. you know, and carried that over to Texas Tech. Joey McGuire is this like jovial politician, like slap on the back, handshake guy. And Dave Aranda is a defensive mastermind, a great guy. Mm-hmm. He's just not that guy, you know. So it, it's very much two different styles of like, mm-hmm. here's what Baylor is now. Yeah, Texas Tech is what Baylor maybe could have been for better or worse, because that's still an argument to be made. Who actually won that trade? Yeah. And literally, I posted that on Twitter, and some guy quote-tweeted and said, neither. And I was like, crap, he's actually right. It could be <laughs> right, neither. Right. Like, I didn't even think about that. It very well could be neither of them in the long run. <laughs> no, but like heading into this game, it's a rivalry. It is like, you know, and also like one thing that we're not really mentioning is that this is one of the, these are two of the programs along with TCU who like theoretically are the new dog, the big dogs now, right? Yeah. Like they would, they would love to position themselves as the front runner. Everybody loved a couple years ago when, or I guess the past two years when TCU versus Oklahoma State, and then last year was uh, Kansas State versus TCU or Baylor versus Oklahoma State, then TCU versus Kansas State last year, where it was like, look, these are the new bloods of the Big Twelve, right? These are the, it's it's a statement for the Big Twelve to have these four teams in the past two Big Twelve championships. Now, okay, Baylor's kind of, like, lost its luster. Tech wants to be there. It still hasn't really hit that next gear. You're trying to position yourself as the new authorities in the conference, right? Mm -hmm. And now whoever falls behind in this game theoretically is on a downward trajectory probably for the rest of the year, and we're trying to figure out if one can save their season. And the other one maybe can try to save it, but it's still, like, we're still kind of, like, guessing. It's like, are either of these teams going to be in the upper – echelon of the new big 12 i don't know it's there for the taking and so there's so many things going into this game that i don't i genuinely do not i i would like to say tech but we've seen tech be just awful on the like you mentioned one and seven Mm -hmm. on the road and i I don't know i genuinely don't know i would like to say that tech is should be a favorite and they are and on paper yeah but from what I've seen from them, they are a different team outside of Lubbock. This game's so intriguing. It really yeah, is. Because that look, that one and six road record is a thing now. It's a it's a very bit like I get that West Virginia's four and one. Sure, fine, they beat TCU as well. Um they're playing for Neil Brown's basically coaching job. But <laughs> like they they looked bad at mm-hmm. West Virginia. They looked bad. Well, and I did like the adjustment they made versus Houston where it's like they are throwing all quick screens in tempo to mask their offensive line. Sure, sure, sure. It was very much – yes, yes, that's a good point. It was very much – it was probably the closest I've seen Zach Kitley's offense to that Western Kentucky where it's yep. like we just need to spread the ball around and kind of get it out quickly. And what a great strategy by Joe McGuire to get two special teams touchdowns to let Baron Morton <laughs> he, settle into the he game. He just whispered in Loic Funge's ear, hey, give me a block and then return yeah. it for a touchdown. And he's like, I got you, Coach. I, got you. <laughs> I think I think Tech should win this game, but like it's also a thing where the road woes really scare me, and I think Baylor, we're going to get that team from UCF. And the thing about Baylor that I wasn't liking at the beginning of the year is mm-hmm. like Dave Aranda – 
recognized that he wasn't attacking the transfer portal. Yeah. Right? And he goes out and gets Oklahoma State running back Dominic Richardson. And I will get, say, Mike Smith is out now. Mike, that is that's a, a huge That one. is a huge loss for them. But he gets he gets Arkansas wide receiver Keytron Jackson, and it was like, okay, now he's got the transfers, and then the incumbents weren't stepping up. Yeah. Like, leading yeah. receiver Monterey Baldwin was invisible. Finally came Richard, out last yeah, week. <laughs> Richard Reese wasn't doing very much. Yeah. Dominic Richardson was playing a lot more than him. But Richard Reese had a 100-yard game. Monterey Baldwin went bonkers. Yeah in that last game and it's like that's what you needed like everyone to elevate their play sure so maybe that's the new look baylor maybe and and we like i we put the dun chain on them too early yeah maybe um it is a big help that blake shapen's back he looked fantastic in the second half last week yeah that guy's that guy's kind of awesome he's he's, honestly i was about he he really shows the how much he changes that offense from Fairly or not fairly, last year he got criticized for kind of the offense taking a step back as a whole. I think this year when you saw just like throwing anybody back there is like, oh, yeah, no, this is different with him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not your opinions of him have changed or not, regardless, he's the best option they clearly have to run that offense. So um, I, I think I'm going to go Baylor. I want to really? go Tech. Everything says Tech for me, except the fact that they're just a different team on the road. And I think I, if we get second half Baylor, I think it's clearly Baylor. If we get the second half team, I think it's clearly Baylor. Now, if there's a mix in there, then sure, we get something interesting. I don't know, right? Part of me also, though, wants to go Tech because it's like Baylor stomped them last year. So they've, got, so they've got that, too, in That's the back pocket of, like, we lost 45-17 to 17 to these guys. They, Joey McGuire is on record, like, that's the one game, win or lose, we got dominated. Yeah. So I, a little bit of a revenge game. No, that's fair. I, this is actually such a toss-up. If you bet on this game one way or the other, like, you're person. insane. Yeah, you're, you I know. You're a lunatic. <laughs> because I have no read on this game. Yeah. It'll be fun. I'm sticking with Baylor. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go Tech. All right. I'll go Tech on this one. All right. What's the spread? Uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> Literally one yeah, point tech. zero. I'll go tech. Yeah, tech. <laughs> yeah you're, you're a psycho if you bet on this game. Yeah, literally. <laughs> All right, let's switch into the wide zone here. Let's go. Tomorrow night, Sam Houston playing oh, at no. Liberty. <laughs> oh, no. At 6 p.m. You can watch it on CBS Sports Network. Oh, no. Liberty's 19.5 point favorites. Oh. Uh, Over under is 46. Uh, <laughs> look, Mallory, uh, real quick question. You know who the quarterback for Liberty is? Yeah, it's Caden uh, Salter. Caden Salter <laughs> of Cedar Hill. Uh, he has done of, very well. <laughs> formerly of Tennessee, Tennessee for about a cup of coffee, and then he, yeah. <laughs> and then he got good coffee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's turns out he's awesome, just like we thought of in high school. Yep. <laughs> uh, 11 touchdowns to one pick, 919 yards. Uh, almost 300 yards on the ground rushing right now. Yeah, he's. they look insane and more insane than their former president, Jerry Falwell Jr., So, which is saying something. So, go ahead. Um, so, similar to, like, Baylor, how, like, they saved their season by coming back from a 28-point deficit. Yeah. Sam Houston gave up 28 unanswered to Jacksonville State and lost in overtime. <laughs> yeah. That – feels like a dagger like that like because okay when i'm looking at and me and mallory were at a high school game so we weren't watching this game but it was like when we're checking down the box score we're like okay this is the sam houston offense like what do you get when you're playing a team keegan shoemaker we're like oh he's playing pretty well tonight a team at their level they had a really tough non-conference schedule like this is more on par it's a fellow new fbs team like Mm -hmm. here's what they can do Mm -hmm. wow that hurts that hurts really bad (laughs) yeah not good. Yeah, it's not very not good. good news. Uh, so here's good news and bad Wait, news. Wait, do they have the 99.9 win probability? No, they have the 88. Oh, the, um, no, 
Wait, did Sam Houston did versus Jacksonville oh, State? Oh, and the ESPN probability? I think so. I think they did. I think it was they might have had it. Because I saw a screenshot at one point. They might have had it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I sent a screenshot in the Slack yeah, or something. Yeah, we'll let me look. I'll give you uh, – Sam Houston State, I will give you good news and bad news. The good news is Liberty is awful against the run. Oh, did they, is, did they have yeah, it 99.9%. 99.9%. That's depressing. <laughs> Liberty is awful against the run. The bad news is – you were awful running the ball. <laughs> so, uh, something has to give, is what I'm saying. When a stoppable force meets a movable object. No, 100%. Somebody's got to win out. Um, history says that it's probably not going to be y'all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, mean. it's this is one of the t- this is one of the teams in conference USA that I was worried about because Jamie Chadwell is a really good coach, yeah, and like they obviously have hit gold with the Caden Salter transfer. Okay. So, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think. Let me see. I'm trying to think. Are they undefeated? Is Liberty undefeated? Uh, they might. Yeah, they are four now. Look at that. Wow. Uh, and yeah, Sam Houston doesn't have a single person averaging over three yards a carry. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm taking Liberty. I'm <laughs> taking, I think I'm taking Liberty. It's a ballsy too. call. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> That's not uh, not super tough here, but uh, uh, all right. Anyways, next? let's uh, let's switch into another game. UTSA uh, playing at Temple this Saturday at one p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. UTSA fourteen point favorites. The over under is fifty five and a half. The team that needed a bye week more the than most anybody of anybody in the state. Um, I think this is also a very good on-ramp to conference play. Yeah. Temple's not very good so far. Um, Their only wins are Akron and Norfolk State. Yeah. And I believe, according to Jeff, I believe JT Clark will also be ready to go. At least, be- I mean, he's played, but like, quote-unquote, played, not like actually contributed. Um, he's all- They've also been very, very careful with him. Uh, of course, Frank Harris is going to be a matter of pain tolerance, more or less, probably the rest of the year, it sounds like. I'm going UTSA, and I I don't Mm -hmm. think – I don't know if we ever see the UTSA of last year, but I think we get as close as we can get this week. This is a must win. They've got to have this one. If this is a a loss, then it's starting to look like what's going on. The thing that – like, the thing – the reason I'm not hitting the panic button on UTSA is, like, this is – they've had a winning non-conference record one time since Trailer's been there. Which he said in the press conference. That yeah, I listened yeah to. that's a good point. Yeah. So it's like they're used to kind of not to this nature, sure. where they're one and three and they've like kind of lost. But some like games two like and two has always been their absolute ceiling at a non-conference. Exactly. Yeah. So I think they can still pick it up, but they need this game, and it's going to be really bad weather. Yeah. With like rain, horizontal winds, like yep. it's going to be. It's. I mean, you're going uh, up to Pennsylvania. Temple is also not very good against the run. Kavorian Barnes has not been great this year. He's kind of. He's kind of fumbling. Yeah, he has a fumble problem. Uh, that was one thing against. Uh, it went, I was there. I was there at the Texas State game, and that was the one thing everybody was like, kind of like just ripping him. <laughs> everybody yeah. was like, he's kind of. It looks like he's holding the ball a little flimsily. He's um, got the droppies. Yeah, a little bit, but. This is a team where he can kind of get back on track. He's averaging, he's still averaging four and a half yards a carry, so he's not having a bad year. But he's not. Last year was such a crazy standard for him as a true freshman that it's hard to kind of hit the ground running and surpass that. So I think this is a good team to get back on track against. I think UTSA does it. Um, and whether or not this is the team that we think can like position itself back at the top of AAC, we'll see. They as, as far as that's concerned, I think they had to work back there for me. Uh, but I yeah. do think this is a a top half team 
easily of the conference. Something to watch in this game, too, is UTSA second to last in FBS in turnover margin, and Temple is 122nd in the nation in turnover margin. Oh, my God. So this could be like TCU cheese bull vibes. Oh, of my a game. God. <laughs> cheese bull vibes, Jesus. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Did, right. y'all, uh, no, did y'all know that the American has three teams that have owls as their mascot? Wow, that, that's the type of advanced stats <laughs> we need on this show. Temple. I did F- not know that. Temple, FAU, and Rice. And I love that you know that now. <laughs> Which also, how is FAU the owls? Like, that makes well, no that sense. That doesn't make any sense either. Because they're in Florida. Is there a single owl in Florida? What, wh- wh- why are you judging? You don't know this. That's like, my, that's like my middle school Florida was the Huskies owls. in North Texas. Oh, that like, makes no sense. Types of owls in Florida. Great horned owl, <laughs> eastern screech, burrowing owl. Look at this. See? Eastern screech. I don't know. There's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the don't ask of, me to explain what these are. That's their mascot. It's Short Eared owl, barred owl, barn owl. They got owls in Florida. Don't even. <laughs> well, no, I, don't, I don't need slander over here for Florida wildlife, okay? <laughs> I just thought it was cool. I wanted to enlighten you guys on something. There you go. Okay. That's kind of insight Anyways, we need for Mallory. Correct. That's why I'm here. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, <laughs> North Texas playing at Navy this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch it on a CBS Sports Network. Navy coming in as six-point favorites. The over-under Ew. set at six and a half. <laughs> Did you see the press conference of Eric Morris this week? And somebody was like, um, Coach, how are you going to defend against the triple option? Yeah. And he just laughed and, like, shook his head. <laughs> like, how does anybody right. defend? He's like, have you seen us defend at all this year? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have been like. What do you mean? You want to start with a, an offense first? Yeah, uh, yeah Mallory, question. Uh, North Texas, dead last in the NCAA in rush defense. <laughs> Navy, Fifth in nation in rushing <laughs> offense oh, with yeah. triple options. Let's go, yeah. baby. <laughs> thoughts? To, uh, nothing. <laughs> Zero no thoughts. No comment. Uh, no comment. A listen, little, listen. A nervous here. Yeah, we, we've Not said good. North Texas is going to have to score 30 high 30s in every game. Right. They, they just have to. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think the defense is going to be able to. No, 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 no. To I will, stop this. I will say, I'm curious about this. Because the triple option is so different than obviously everything they ever faced. The triple yeah. option got nerfed though. No, it did. Remember. It did from the new the new NCAA rules. Definitely isn't the triple option of old. It still is an option variation. It's an evolved um, I wonder if this is like some like weird inverse of like UNT's really struggle because you have to again. This is a one week game plan, uh-huh. right? Every time you play, whether it's in high school, a wing tee, a, 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 a slot tee, flex bone, whatever, it's a one week game plan for this, right? Yes. You can't run the same defense you do every other week. Can UNT just do it for this one week? I'm genuinely curious because, like, I've seen at the high again. This is me using my high school brain. I've seen bad defensive teams in high school. Be able to scheme against a slot T flex bone mm-hmm. wing wing T for one, one week. week, and then when teams go back to spreading it out, it's like ah, oh, we don't have corners, we can't rush the passer. You know, it's like when you know this game is going to be played within the hash marks. I wonder if they can just do it. The problem with that theory is North Texas' weak point is on the trenches and then the defensive line. That's fair, and, and those, that's what you kind of need. To, and those to boys, the like I mean, those guys don't always look like they really want to. Tackle, yeah, that's, that's so. Like, which is well. To be fair, the safeties don't look like they want to tackle. tackle. So, but you, you just don't the, let them get to the safeties. <laughs> the safeties got the third go. option, though. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, look, I'm going North Texas because I don't trust Navy's defense to stop. I'm going to say this right now. I'm looking at anybody listening. Watch this game. 
This is going to be fun. It's very <laughs> This is going to be awesome. Because it's going to get weird. This is going to get weird because we now – we're not notice we're not talking about UNT's offense because we have, I have no worries about it right now, especially against Navy. Navy's defense isn't very good. Uh, they're going to put up points, but so will the Navy offense. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be, to me, a game of keep away, yes. keeping Chandler Rogers off the field, <laughs> right, yeah. opening up that time of possession and really widening that gap. I think they get it done because I think that UNT is feeling itself a little bit right now. They've had a couple wins. They kind of know what's working. They've put a bandage on the worst defense in FBS and are now like the second or third worst defense in the FBS, which is a step up. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna ride the green wave a little bit a little bit more, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a win in this one. Yeah, I'll go North Texas in this one as well. If this was Navy of like mid 2010s, I'd say Navy, but sure. Navy's kind of rebuilding right now. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really not very good. No, they've have they've given up. I mean, they've. Pl- I'm just trying to think. They've played rebuild, yeah. triple option nerfed. UNT wins. Yes, and even even going into this year, Navy's been on a downward trajectory in general. So remember, they almost like fired their OC. And they made him rehire him last year. It's been it's been very weird for Navy. It's not like you mentioned. It's not the Navy of a couple years ago. Yeah. So. Yep. All right, the Fighting Schmales oh, playing <laughs> at Louisiana this Saturday at two thirty p.m. Gotta give me that nickname. <laughs> you can watch it on ESPN Plus. Louisiana coming in as two and a half point favorites. The over under is sixty nine, nice and a half. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> all right. I don't know. Like I look, I've mentioned to you at the beginning, Carter. What's the record against Louisiana? Oh and nine. Oh and nine all time in football. This extends beyond the football. Can field. we make it double digits? Oh, well. Can we? <laughs> Can we? Probably. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, another underrated storyline, TJ Finley's return to Louisiana. He's from Louisiana. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, so he, he's playing back there since transferring out of the SEC. I genuinely don't know. Um, last week was an issue in terms of the def- – I think the defense is starting to really have its issues. Um, Jackson State, before they really put their foot down in the second half, Jackson State was matching them score for score. Last week, of course, they were up 42-7, to and they ended up – it's a seven-point game at one point in the fourth quarter. So I genuinely am starting to have concerns about the defense as far as the the, the defensive line's concerned. So And Louisiana's QB is really good. Yeah. He's a redshirt freshman. And like G.J. Kinney was saying, he truly thinks he's one of the best in the country. And now that's really high that's praise. Really high praise. I, I don't agree. Sure. But, like, he's being nice about his opponent. But sure. I think he's really good. No, I think I – think Dual threat guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I will say they haven't – Frank Harris, hobbled Frank Harris has been the only dual threat guy they faced so far. Mm-hmm. And I think there were other issues outside of Frank Harris is why they lost that game. But I do think that's a thing where it's like I wonder how good they are against a mobile quarterback. I kind of think the air comes out of the balloon a little bit this week. Not saying that Texas State isn't going to have a great season. I mean, they've, they've, had, a, they've had a decent schedule so far. So, like, yeah. it, I think it's meant to come down to earth. It's going to come bit. down to earth a little bit this week, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things, are really, um, things are really sky high. And so, noted cynical Texas State fan me <laughs> uh, <laughs> is waiting. I, I thought it would happen a little bit last week. Um, and so, the, the start to that game really surprised me. Um, but uh, I believe uh, Zeon Chris is, by the way, is the guy you're, you're thinking of. Uh, I think another Louisiana kid. I think it comes back to earth a little bit. I still think this is a close game, and I think this is the, probably the – if I'm being honest, I think this might be the best game they – the best. this is easily the best shot they have against Louisiana, but I think this is the closest game they also have against Louisiana. They've always just – it doesn't matter what team they've had, what team Louisiana's had, it's always seeming to fold over. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Go fighting Schmales. <laughs> 
moving uh. on here. <laughs> Rice hosting UConn this Saturday at 4 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Rice coming in as 9.5 point favorite. The over-under is 47.5. UConn stinks. UConn stinks. Let's get the win. Everybody was writing their Jim Mora, like, praises last year, and it's like, no, they're, they're, they're bad. They, they still stink. Um, yeah, no, look, I'll, I'll give you a hint. We're working on something on the UTEP offense for next week, um, in particular on offense. This team's this team's fun. Like, it's kind of the opposite of what Mike Bloomgren wanted it to be, right? Mm-hmm. They're not intellectual mm-hmm. brutality. They're just like, screw it, we have JT Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just going to throw it uh, let him, tons let him of fly. times. Um, let him cook. The big surprise for me has been that it hasn't just been Luke McCaffrey. Right, that's been mm-hmm. my biggest shock yes. too. Yeah, because they lost uh, Bradley Rosner uh, to the transfer portal, and we're like, well, there goes their other uh, receivers and Cedric Patterson and Cedric Patterson. Yeah, and so it was like, well, there goes their receivers, and when you have somebody like JT Daniels who's good enough just to get the ball to certain playmakers, if you just have some guys step up, this offense has been good, like legitimately really good. So um, I think they're let me see, thirty fifth in EPA per pass according to Stats of War. That's awesome. Like last year, they were in the dumps when it came to their passing outside of the receiving game. So, you know, JT Daniels has gotten memed a lot for like, you know, transferring all over the country. But I think this year he's like proving, dude, like this is like the guy. Like he's really good. He's good. He has. No one's ever doubted the talent. I think he's putting it together. And he's like, if they didn't have JT Daniels this year, it'd be bad. It'd be Mm -hmm. really bad because they can't run the ball at all. Like Bloomgren's talking about, they're running four minute offense and he doesn't have confidence to run the ball. They're almost dead last in rushing offense. The defense has been eh, so, so Mm -hmm. Um, now they did get four fourth down stops you know, in one half. So hopefully that's the turning point for them. But it's really been like the difference between Rice of old and Rice this year is actually J.D. Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. I do think that. So, yeah, I'm going to go Rice. I think UConn is – I'm going to look at the – I haven't checked the AAC standings right now because UConn – UConn's 0-5 and and they've scored 20 points just once. Look, I – they stink. But if you would have asked me at the end of last year, I would have been like, oh, I guess I got to consider them one of the better teams, right? Because they made a bowl last year, looked like they were turning a corner. Not really anymore. So now you look at the AAC. So I'm looking at it right now. South Florida, which they'll probably uh, probably come back to Earth soon. Memphis, Tulane, SMU, Tulsa, Rice. And then if you look at the teams below Rice, North Texas, FAU, UTSA. I'd probably only pencil in right now at this point. FAU and UTSA as better than Rice out of that bottom half. Right. I think they can be better than Tulsa. I think the South Florida is going to come back to earth. They will come back to earth. Here's the thing with Rice is they need these next two games really badly because then they have a stretch of Tulane, SMU, UTSA. And UTSA is that last game, so UTSA might have come back to like – what we thought they were right right so that's that's a really hard stretch of three games yeah i agree i will say i want to put a pin in tulane because they were really close against a bad uab team last week Mm -hmm. uab's bad and i'm not i'm not oh is that trent dilfer's freak out that was was, was was trent dilfer freak out yeah because actually went berserker mode because you know when you're in your first coach of First year of coaching a college team, you just have the right to do that, I guess. Um, No, this is what happens, Trent Dilfer, when you start coaching elite 11 quarterbacks and then go to high school and college. It's like, wow, not everyone's like a top 11 QB in the country. Oh, man, I can't – you know, I'm not coaching the best team in Tennessee anymore in high school, whatever. Anyway, so they were really close with UAB for a while. I'm not saying they're still not one of the top teams or one of the favorites. They got Memphis this week. I'm really curious about that game Mm -hmm. because I think if they look bad against Memphis, who's looked okay – 
I'm st- I'd, I'd probably start moving SMU to that front of the AAC kind of singularly as opposed to with two lanes where we've kind of put them all year. So we'll see. What do you think the over-under for North Texas Rice is going to be? Ooh. It's going to be – 75. It's we're going to be high. Hold on. Where is we're, that uh, we're, we're, uh, we're getting the upper echelon of 80 at we're, that dude, point. Where is yeah. where is that versus that mean green defense? <laughs> Let him cook. Ooh, I can't figure out where that game is because I if it's if it's it if it's in if it's in Denton I might might try to go. That's good. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I, it is. I think it might be in Denton because I don't. Think Wait, do they? Do they not play this? Oh, year? they do not play. No, that's right. That's right. I yeah, they do not play I this year. They did. No, because I don't think it's oh, a. Pro- I, th- I don't think it's a protected rivalry in the AAC. Oh man. I yeah. Think it should wow, be. that is. We need bring to bring it back. We need to fix that. Yeah, yes. that's that sucks. All right, let's move on to our last game this week. TCU playing at Iowa State this Saturday at 7 p.m. You can watch it on FS2. TCU coming in as six-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under set at 52-and-a-half. Okay, can I say something first? Because I I wasn't on the Sunday recap episode. Yep. Look, TCU fans, I jinxed it with the Chandler Morris piece. They lost that game. Not that Chandler Morris played bad, but, like, I just wrote the piece, and then they lost. That incompletion he threw at the very end of the game – that's the best incompletion of the year, and people are gonna try to ignore that yeah. and like say, "Oh, whatever." They lost. Do you know what I'm talking? You know the incompletion I'm talking I about? I think I do. Let me. I'm pulling this up. This is insane. <laughs> okay. He actually is getting whipped to the ground and stops in midair and it flings the ball it? out of bounds. Here, let me. Oh, was he throwing the ball away? Okay, he okay, was throwing the ball away. Well. So while you bring that up, look at this. Okay, let me see. I'm just, oh, okay, I did see this. Show I the, did see show this. Show the camera. Uh, yes. Oh, okay, you're gonna try to show the camera. How do I do that? <laughs> just you, turn literally. It you're just the... gonna have to show the camera. <laughs> <laughs> look at look at how this hat. Wait. All right, it's gonna play again. Can you? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this is aw- this is incredible. Yeah, Tell full screen it. Yeah. Full screen it. I want to see this. I can't see. Audio either. listeners, we apologize, but go just to go look up. He's getting whipped to the ground right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did remember seeing this. I mean, and they don't kick that field goal yeah. without that pass. Yeah. So, TC, uh, of course, they lost last week, but they had – it was <sighs> – to me, it was a summary of how well everything went for TCU last year in terms of, like, you know, we saw the Baylor, how they beat Baylor with that scramble to kick mm-hmm. the field goal. They tried that again last week. It just didn't work. They ended up getting the field goal blocked. They had two field goals blocked in that game. Um, and just how everything's just n- n- not – Going, not everything's going wrong, and we're hearing yelling in there. I think the Rangers are playing right now. I think, I think that's why we're hearing yelling. Um, it's football that's, season, that's guys. Funny. No, it's funny. It's, it's the first time in like six years. Um, anyway, things are back to being more 50-50 when it comes to luck for TCU this year. And it also does not help that the Kendall Biles discourse came back into play because all of a sudden the offense looked very – and it wasn't Chandler Morris's fault because we've seen him play really, really well. Uh, this is another shout-out to the Between Two Bears guys. They mentioned on Twitter, the Kendall Browse offense can get you 30 yards when you want three, which is awesome, but it can also get you three when you need 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we saw that on full display last week at West Virginia. I just think part of the issue, too, with TCU is like they don't have a Quentin Johnson and Tay Barber. It's I think that's, ju- fa- it's, that's fair. It's 100%. just been a musical chair as a wide receiver, and that's been what's difficult for them. Uh, like you said, not doing the small things right that they yeah. did last year. Like last year, they just always found a way to win. They got luck sometimes, whatever. But this year, it's just little plays here and there that the reason they aren't undefeated and that they're three and two instead. And I also think that it's not. <clears throat> excuse me. 
I don't think they're running the ball enough. I really yeah. don't think they're running the ball Where's enough. Where's Trey Sanders been? I, I don't know. He had a great game against Colorado, and then he's just – I mean, to be fair, <clears throat> Amani Bailey's been fantastic for them. Yeah. Um, and they've kind of gotten they've kind of gotten some things for Savion Williams on around some end arounds and Major Everhart's gotten in the game a couple of times. So like, <clears throat> I don't know if they're kind of nursing him back because of course he's battled injury a ton. Um, but I don't know. I think they need to run the ball more. I think Amani Bailey should be considered one of the better running backs in the Big Twelve, and he's not really treated like it. No, he's not. He's kind of under the radar. Yeah. Right now I'm looking at their stats right now. <clears throat> Chandler Morris uh, leads with almost six yards of carry because of course he's. He's not really a, a design runner, so he's able to kind of break game, break the play. Uh, Savion Williams five minute five point seven, Imani Bailey five point four yards a carry. It's pretty crazy for how many totes he gets. Right, and then you get Major Everhart, which is at four, and then Sanders. I mean, this might explain it. He's at three and at three point eight. So maybe what they do give him, it's not enough for them. But I do think they still need to spread the spread the rock in the backfield a little bit more. I don't know. I that's my been that's been my issue with Kendall Browse is it happened against Colorado where they didn't run the ball enough. And granted they still scored points, but I think you can still watch that offense and see it not really getting the mm-hmm. rhythm. I think they need to this isn't this isn't I don't think Chandler Morris is the guy not in terms of skill talent. I think he's good enough. I don't, I still don't think he's with the wide receiver talent that he has. I don't want him throwing 50 times a game. In my opinion, yep. I think that you have a run, you have a deep-ish stable to where it should be maybe 60-40 pass run, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So, What's the spread on this line? Don't tell the Iowa State players it, but what's the spread? Mm, six keep, and a half. Keep it quiet so they can't hear it. Six and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'd go, I'd go TCU, but playing in Iowa State at night That's is horrible. Tough. Yeah. It yeah. sucks. That's so underrated. Bad. And it looks like Iowa State, I mean, I didn't, what's that quarterback's name? He looks pretty good. Um, Rocco? Rocco Becht? Yes, he actually looks pretty good. I mean, he was carving Oklahoma up in the first the, that, quarter. That, that, that betting scandal was the best thing to happen to them because like yeah. this, <laughs> this Rocco, he's a freshman. Yeah, he's a freshman. He looks really good so far for a freshman. Uh, over a thousand yards passing. Um, I'm trying to think of, let me see, what are his final stats against Oklahoma? One eighty-eight. I mean, you know, it's kind of they kind of fell off. Yeah, I kind of fell off. But Oklahoma State because oh, all three hundred yards. He, those two touchdowns in like three-fourths of those yards I watched in the first quarter. <laughs> right. But still. <laughs> Something must have happened. He's a freshman. He's been okay. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting line. So, we'll see. Um, in Ames, TCU's been far from reliable. Just when we thought they were mm-hmm. reliable, they lost last week. So, I don't know. Um, I'm going to take TCU anyway just to as a plead. <laughs> plead win this, please win this one. Yeah. <laughs> I think they bounce back. So, all righty. Um, yeah, and then we've got three teams on bye weeks. Uh, Houston, SMU, and UTEP. Oh, uh, UTEP. Oh, my God. UTEP, UTEP, needs, so. a, needs, a UTEP needs this bye week so – they got they punted into the bye week. <sighs> yeah, they really did. <laughs> they really did. Take this week off. <laughs> All right. So, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Carter will be at Red River. Craven will be at uh, College Station for A&M, or Alabama at A&M. And I'll be on my couch uh, watching uh, Tech Tech and uh, Baylor particularly. But, of course, I'll have a bunch of stuff uh, – bunch of TVs and a bunch of screens on. Uh, also be working on finishing up the basketball magazine, which behind the scenes that is wrapping up for me. So, Woo. yeah, it's a very, very exciting time. We go to press very soon on that, right? Yes, uh, next Friday. Next Friday. Next Friday. Let's so go. for any of you college basketball fans out there, high school basketball fans, be on the lookout for that. We'll reveal the cover that following Monday. So uh, when uh, when can people expect that to be on the shelves? Oh, that well, one I should say that won't be on the shelves. Uh, this might be the first time we're announcing it. It will be to subscribers only. 
and then you will be able to buy it oh, on nice. texasbasketball.com. So it won't cool. be in retail. Uh, but if you are a subscriber to texasfootball.com and you're part of our subscription package that includes the summer magazine, the recruiting magazine, and it will for the first time include the basketball magazine. So, uh, of course, that gives you all the Texan live games, all that stuff. So all of this now is in one nice little bundle um, for our subscribers, <clears throat> which ironically, even though we're not retail, it'll be our widest circulation because it goes to all of our subscribers. Mm-hmm. So right. very excited about that. Uh, but it will be on sale at Texas basketball.com slash store right when we drop the cover it'll immediately go up for purchase on the website so for everybody uh please keep it tuned to texasolva.com for all of our content like i mentioned i should have a tj finley story coming out very very soon we'll have something on rice for you rice fans next week craven will have a column on anm coming up very soon as well keep it locked to texasolva.com this weekend subscribe to all the shows on the republic of football Uh, Dave Campbell's Republic of Football Podcast Network. And we'll talk to you guys Sunday with the recap edition. Jimbo Fisher, give us a call. Rutgers, keep up the streak. Let's go.